He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, Slick Talkers. I promise I'll be quick, but all of the podcasts in the Hospitality.fm podcast network are doing an audience survey where we want to figure out what you like, what maybe you don't like, and what continues to bring you back to the show or what made you click on the show in the first place. So if you could check out the show notes, there is a quick survey for you to fill out. We're going to be running this through all of January and maybe some of February. With that being said, back to the episode. So he, he said, you know, I want a treehouse that's worthy of my wedding day. And so like, that's how fancy we're going to make it. We're going to go big, you know, crystal chandeliers, oversized bed, like all the things. And he was inspired by love. And it's really cool. We did. We got married there. We had our first look on the treehouse. We started our honeymoon there and it was, it was so special. He wouldn't let me stay in the treehouse until our wedding. Like it was a surprise. I couldn't see the final thing, you know, until that day. And so if you can imagine, I mean, I was I was overcome, you know, by, by that act of love and by the beauty and then us getting to like start our lives together there really set us off on this path. And we had no idea, like that wasn't even the intention. We were just enjoying it for ourselves. I was going to continue on in the broadcast world, but like what those few days did for us changed everything. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by my friends at Hostfully, Minute, and Safely.com. If you haven't heard of any of these companies, well, you need to because they are the amazing Avengers of technology for vacation rental operators just like you. I use them personally in my business and I've been so excited and so thrilled with everything that comes with the technology, the teams, you name it, they're all great. We have special offers for all Slick Talk listeners in the show notes. So make sure you grab those links and like and subscribe with everything that they do so that way you always have the best content and the best knowledge at your fingertips. And make sure you stay tuned all the way at the end of the episode so that you can hear this exclusive and first Hospitality.fm original called The Vacation Rental Micro School. Now, back to the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and I'm very excited for this episode for a lot of selfish podcaster reasons. When you get to have an opportunity to have a conversation with someone like Tori, who is going to be my guest today, I think there's a lot to cover, but I'm just excited because we get to geek out. And so Tori Bolt, 
welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm great. I'm thrilled to be here. Big fan of your podcast. So pumped that we get a chance to talk. Uh, stop. Stop the compliments. It's, it's great. I was kidding. Tori, as we do on the show, I love to hear origin stories. I love to hear where it begins. Generally, just Tori, where does it all begin? Where are you from? Tell us your upbringing, kind of what the path was to where we are today. Yeah, I love that you go all the way back. And it's funny, a lot of people are surprised to know that I am from Southern California. You know, I live in the middle of in the woods, you know, on a mountain in the woods in Tennessee and uh, have adopted y'alls and stuff like that. And so people are surprised to know, you know, I grew up about 35 minutes outside of LA, went to school in San Diego, absolutely beautiful place to live. And at the time I was pursuing a career in journalism, in entertainment okay. broadcast journalism. So that is the path I was on. I bounced around for work. I was able to take a job in a top 10 market in Houston, which is where I met Seth. Actually, we were both on the job. So his band, he's okay. in the band Need to Breathe for people who don't know. And their band was playing a show in Houston and I interviewed them before the show, which is kind of hilarious. I love, I love that. That's the way that we met. So uh, gosh, we met, we met there, obviously flash forward, you know, we got married in South Carolina, which is where he grew up and lived at the time. And I'm, I'm covering a lot of ground. Honestly, our, our love story did happen pretty quickly. You know, before we had met, both of us had had our fair share of singleness and dating. And when we met each other, we were like, yes, like you're it, you know? <laughs> so, so it didn't take too, too long. And, you know, we, in the process of us meeting and dating, he was already building a treehouse with his dad. And I was like, man, this guy's so interesting. <laughs> Who does that? You know, he was, his dad has a construction company. They built the house that his, you know, that he grew up in. And so he was watching, you know, tree houses become popular, Airbnb become popular, this platform called Instagram become popular and was like, dad, we, we got to build a tree house. And it took a little bit for him to convince him, but they, they started on that journey. They actually, I think they started on father's day of 2015, which is pretty cool, but we met in the process. And so us meeting helped to inform the level of luxury and like it, the bar of excellence, you know, for the treehouse Cause you know, when you, you think of treehouse, people think of different kinds of things. If you're a visual person, you might think of the Swiss family Robinson treehouse or a fort in your backyard, you know, you might think of yeah. whatever. And so he, he said, you know, I want a treehouse that's worthy of my wedding day. And so mm -hmm. like, that's how fancy we're going to make it. We're going to go big, you know, crystal chandeliers, oversized bed, like all the things. And he was inspired by love. And it's really cool. We did. We got married there. We had our first look on the treehouse. We started our honeymoon there. And it was, it was so special. He wouldn't let me stay in the treehouse until our wedding. Like it was a surprise. I couldn't see the final thing, you know, until that day. And so if you can imagine, I mean, I was, I was overcome, you know, by, by that act of love and by the beauty and then us getting to like start our lives together there really set us off on this path. And we had no idea. Like that wasn't even the intention. We were just enjoying it for ourselves. I was going to continue on in the broadcast world, but like what those few days did for us changed everything. Well, I was going to say not to change, not to go backwards too much and kind of oversee the story of love, but one, 
all the guys listening, I know we have a lot of guys li- listeners on the show. That is the standard. You got to get, all right, you're like worthy of my wedding day. That is a new, that's a new one. I'm, I'm impressed. Good job, Seth. Good job on that one. But going into your, your career journalism, I'm sure there's some kind of tie into now creating this hospitality business. Cause yes, you can say it's a treehouse business or a glamping business or whatever kind of people want to classify, but you're really in hospitality, whether it's a treehouse or a dome or whatever with your career in journalism, have you always had like a sense of curiosity and discovery or what kind of implanted that into you for, from the earlier days? Yeah, I think there is that, that element of discovery even more so just the love of storytelling. I love being able to highlight people's stories, to hear people's stories. You know, I was always drawn to to the good news and people in the community that maybe were overlooked, you know. And so like highlighting those stories is really beautiful. What's cool is that I still get to do that, you know, with our guests. Yeah. I get to talk to them, hear their stories. I'll I'll interview our guests sometimes and do testimonial videos. And like that brings me so much joy. And it's a really neat, you know, full circle. I honestly think some of the biggest skills from the journalism world that carry over to what I do now is, and it's not, it's nothing like sexy or glamorous. It's just the, the ability to work fast under a pressure, like a pressure deadline, you know, and like just get things done because with the news, you know, ready or not, you're going on air. And so it's like, you gotta, you gotta get your stuff done quickly. And so that's really helped. Um, It's funny. Like I am, I am a creative person and I don't want to like, you know, under underplay it, but I'm I'm not the creative genius behind Bolt Farm, and I'm not the designer of Bolt Farm. It's so funny, like the way Seth and I work together. A lot of people are surprised to know this, but he's the designer, and I am the make it happener. <laughs> you know, it's like if it was just him, he it would be one treehouse and big audacious dreams. But I really help kind of reel him in, put the plans on paper, and work that out. But I mean, he, he's super creative and the things he dreams up, it blows me away. So he really gets the credit for birthing this dream and, and everything that we've built since. Well, I was going to say that's the main reason because we got introduced. We're going to give a little shout out here to Justin Ford from Breezeway. But um, talking to Justin, he was like, you got to talk to Seth and Tori. Like these, these are some people definitely in your wheelhouse of get a good episode and do an interview. Um so because of him, I reached out to you. I was like, look, we'd love to do it. But that wasn't the main reason. I, I went through your guys' Instagram. And then I had that light bulb moment click where I was like, I have seen you guys before. And obviously, we'll, we'll go into this a little bit later. Uh, you guys were featured on Netflix on the vacation rental uh, show that they've put on. I think there are two seasons now or maybe yeah. a third. Can't tell. Um, I, I don't have opportunity to go on Netflix as much as I used to. But um I did recognize you and I was like, okay, this is special. And I do see through your guys' like Facebook group that I got to jump into just before jumping into the recording and um, check out your website and your Instagram. Like you do capture stories. Like that is the cool part that I really love. Like not only do you guys have this like creative vision, but your storytelling, you're, you are capturing the guest experience. And it's not just about Bolt Farm Treehouse. It's about the guests and the moments that happen there. So Going into your guys's brand, I really love um, how you guys pretty much mentioned that this is where you come for the big moments. This is where the big moments happen, and we like to set that standard. So you got the experience that yourself first. 
how is that carried over into now displaying that with hundreds, if not thousands of guests later, um, going into the big moments with people? Yeah, man, it makes me so happy. And real quick, for, we, I had a full circle moment yesterday, actually. I had the honor of welcoming and checking in our guests. It's not something I get to do on a daily basis, but yesterday I did. And I mean, I'm telling you, every single person was celebrating a big moment. We had mm. multiple honeymooners, anniversaries, a birthday surprise. There was a mother-daughter trip. There was a father-son cross-country road trip. You know, it's just like all these things that I'm just blown away and humbled that they're they're choosing to, to make these moments with us. But I think a big reason why we lean into that and why people do celebrate with us um, is like you said, you know, we started with our own. It's not like we you know, kind of dreamt this up from an office across the country, just, you know, on the computer or whatever. And I never saw the place like we live, eat and breathe it. You know, we live on site in a camper while we're building, while we're under construction. It's part of our process because we're there daily. And we also, we stay in, in each unit for as long as we can um, before yeah. we welcome it to the guests, you know, to see like, okay, if we're going to have high standards, like, are we comfortable? Is there everything we need? You know, is, is there a phone charger by the bed? Are there coaster? Like all the little things, you know, that we would want. We obsess over those details until the rooms have it. Because again, we want to have that highest, you know, worthy of my wedding day. Um, treat, we want to treat every guest experience every single day on that level. And I think it's because we've experienced it ourselves. We drill that in with our team like people all operate that way. And um, I think our guests feel it and they know that they're going to walk into that level of, of detail and care. Yeah. It's, it's when you lead with your why rather than like we were kind of talking about earlier, like lead with the why rather than like the financial aspect. Yes. The financial part can be great. Like we all know this business, whether it's a tree house or even just normal vacation rental properties throughout urban or other destination markets that, you know, it, it does pay. It's a, there's a reason why it's a business. And, um, but there is a big differentiator when you can take that why moment and kind of continue to amplify it throughout different guests and couples or trips or uh, whether it's mother, daughter, father, son, you know, those, those special things too. Um, so kind of, I, I want to bring back, you mentioned that you are the operations, you are the let's execute. Um, and, and, and Seth is the vision and I, I know another friend of mine would say, I've been telling you this for years, Will, you need a visionary and an executioner. That's how you make a great company. Mm -hmm. So with you two, how does that not only apply into the business, but tell me about your guys' personal lives. Now that you live and breathe this stuff while you're building this out, how does, is that a good balance all the time? Or do you have some times where you're like, I need to see the vision more? I'm laughing, thinking of a very, very recent experience. You know, it's so funny. Like we have an amazing relationship. We love working together. It's not for all couples. I totally get yeah. that, you know, but as passionate as we are, as much as we work, we love sharing, you know, sharing those common victories, the common obstacles, all that. So, um, but we do, we have our different lanes and obviously because we're married, we know each other really well and we know mm -hmm. how to communicate best with each other, you know, how to approach things, but even still, and we've been married for like six and a half years, um, you default to the way that you're wired, you know? And it was so funny because literally like 48 hours ago, <laughs> we were talking through something early in the morning, trying to figure out a business, you know, problem to solve, decision to make. And Seth is, you know, painting the options of the, the picture like he does. 
And I, my kind of go into the productive paranoia of like, well, this is why it breaks down and why we shouldn't do it. You know? And he called me out. He's like, can you just sit with me for a few minutes in the, like how this can be possible before you start like, (laughs) you know, tearing it apart. And I'm like, yeah, like I get that, you know, you need that, you need that space. But I'm like, I also don't want to waste your time and BS you if I know it's not going to work, you know? So it's like, it's a balance. And I think it's, you know, it's understanding the way people work differently. Um, I don't know if you're familiar or if you're listening, if you're familiar with predictive index, that's something that we started using like a year or so ago as a team. And um, I was kind of skeptical at first, but man, it is so good. And like, we use it, you know, within our team. Um, And even it helps, you know, Seth and I in these moments to know your differences and kind of how to navigate that and making sure that you're playing to each other's strengths, you know, I think it's normal to drive each other nuts every now and then. And we definitely do, but we, we bounce back quick, you know, and we appreciate what each other brings to the table, knowing they didn't have that, you know, if there, if, if Seth wasn't bringing his ideas to the table, you know, if you're looking at our trajectory, it would have been much lower, probably much safer, much smaller. Um, But having the, the boldness to dream big, you know, you end up here. Uh, without your productive paranoia people and your detail people, you know, your risk is much higher. <laughs> so you need them too, even though they probably drive you nuts. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I feel like I'm a good balance between you and Seth where I'm like very visionary, but then I'm like, well, logistics wise, I'm a very literal person. So when people try to joke with me, sometimes I'm like, well, actually that doesn't make sense. Cause it they're like, it was a joke. We're, we're joking. Calm down. Um, but <laughs> I want to also kind of uncover, so you get married, you're a journalist, you're, you're going into broadcasting and journalism career, and Seth is doing his music thing. Life is great. You get married, you see this beautiful tree house, and you experience the amazing memories you guys were able to create and start off your new life together. Now, here we are, however, uh, you said six and a half years later, you are at multiple tree houses, multiple domes. Uh, I've saw a mirror cabin. And so like all these things, so we'll, we'll cover all those, but what was the, I guess, turning point where you guys were like, you know what, this is it. Like we need to make this a reality like this, what we experienced, we need to do it a hundred times over. Um, tell me about that moment. Yeah, that moment was actually on our honeymoon. Uh, It was taking the time. It truly was like it happened that fast. And I know not everyone gets clarity that fast. What a gift, you know. But we just realized how important environments are. They shape you. And -hmm. the environment that we were in allowed us the room and the space to to be present, to be with each other, to dream. We were very inspired because of the beauty around us, you know, not only in the treehouse, but also nature. And we just dreamt about our lives. We're like, gosh, you know, we want to live lives on purpose. What does that look like? And everything we, we kind of just brainstormed and wrote down, you know, we were like, well, we want our future children to, to have an upbringing like Seth did in the country and in the, in the woods and, and serving people and all these life lessons that they can have by being in this environment, all those things, we just kind of brainstormed and all the arrows were point pointing to creating more places like this. And so it was literally on our honeymoon that we didn't know how we were going to make it work or what it would look like, but we knew we wanted to make places like that treehouse available to as many people as we could touch as possible. And so um, 
it took, let's see, maybe like seven or eight months for me to quit my job um, as we wow. kind of game planned. So I quit my yeah. job and we hunkered down. I, you know, obviously first time working from home. I remember Seth set me up like a, a little folding table with like a tapestry on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my, my first office. And um, we, we set out to buy land and gosh, we just, we learned an immense amount of lessons, you know, in that first year of leaning into this and um, also learning the economies of scale. You're like, wow, you know, yeah. construction is expensive. It takes a long time. You know, land is the most expensive asset in what we do. So how do you maximize that? You know, it's like, well, you buy this piece of property, you can build one tree house, you could build four, you could build 10. And, you know, based on your goals and where you are, there are different numbers and sweet spots. And we, we definitely took steps. You know, we started with the one tree house. Our next property, we built four. And then the next property during the pandemic, we built 10, you know, tree houses and domes. And you just learn, you're like, okay, you're going to have the work. You're going to have the pain points. Let's see if we can. And we just keep pushing ourselves to the limit. <laughs> that's, that's where Seth comes in. You know, we're like, how many could we do without, without growing too fast, without losing that feel? Cause it is a very bespoke feel that's really important to us. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how that ramped up over the last six years. So it was quick. It was really quick. And your, was your honeymoon just at the treehouse, or did you guys start at the treehouse and then work, go somewhere else for the rest of the honeymoon? Yeah. So we were at the tree camps for the first three or four days. And then we went to Tulum, Mexico okay. um, before yeah. it, uh, the pandemic totally changed it. I'm going to make myself sound like an, like a, a grumpy old person, but we went back this year to kind of revisit that. And oh my gosh, it is not the sleepy beach town. It once was, I was heartbroken. I was so sad, but yeah. back then. The... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. I was say I lived in Cancun for a month of uh, March, and I went to Tulum to because I heard all of the rave about it. And then I was like, I was a little disappointed. I was like, dang, it's not as quiet as a lot of people like that went early pre-COVID. Um, it definitely got a little, little uh, <laughs> ramped up pretty quick. Yeah. So it did. It did. Yeah, but yeah, we so we were in Tulum in another very quiet eco nature space like they didn't have you know electricity they came in every night and lit candles like it was just amazing and we just got to continue you know continue to dream and and that's where that's where the whole vision for bolt farm started so you come with this game plan you quit your job seven or so months later you you get this like remote workstation set up for you and Tell me about the land. I'm actually curious. So is this all on the same or near the same property where you guys had your honeymoon, your first few nights there, or is this completely separate and you had to start from scratch? Completely separate. Yeah. We started okay. from scratch. So the treehouse where we honeymooned in is on the property where Seth grew up. Um, my in-laws still live there. It's a beautiful farm and property. Um, and that was kind of our, our springboard, but it was really important for Seth and I to have something that was wholly ours, you know, mm -hmm. And, and to, you know, understand the process from dirt and day one, you know, so we knew that we wanted to be in Tennessee and we knew that we wanted to be on a mountain because, you know, you just, when you're on a mountain, you feel your spirit lift. Like you just feel so good. Like, you know, when you're on top of the world, you feel on top of the world. So 
that's what we were on a mission to find. And it took months. I mean, I, and I mean months and I'm, I'm less patient than Seth, you know, I'm like ready to do it. I'm like, let's go. It's been four months, you know, let's make a decision. But we were really clear on what we wanted and we weren't finding anything that was exactly it, you know, and with, with that kind of investment, we just weren't willing to settle. And so we kept looking and looking and I'm glad we did because in June, 2020, we found this spot in Tennessee. We're, we're about 40 minutes outside of Chattanooga in a beautiful town called Whitwell. So we're on Whitwell mountain. And um, yeah, I mean, we, we just fell in love with the area when we first came here, you know, I had no poker face with a realtor. I was like, all right, I'm so, I'm so done. Cause this is beautiful. And, um, you know, it was, it was 30 acres or so that they were selling. We could only afford a portion of that. And they were kind enough to let us buy that. And so that's where we, what we did and where we started. But what's cool is flash forward today, we've been able to expand. Um, we now have 55 acres and no neighbors, basically. <laughs> it's crazy. So there's, you know, we'll, we'll be here. Like our, our big picture vision is, is to continue building places like this across the country. But we, um, we have so much that we want to do even just right here in Tennessee. So. Yeah, no, it's been super cool to watch because I've been following the Instagram and, and checking out um, your guys' story throughout, like leading up to this interview. And it's super cool. And one of the things I'm just very, very passionate about, and any of the listeners that have tuned in prior to this episode would know, I am all about destination creation. So not having to be like, okay, I'm going to go to Miami and start a vacation rental company, or I'm going to go to, I'll even use where I'm from, Seattle, and say, I'm going to create a vacation rental company all focused about Seattle and all that stuff. But really going to a, a place, like I love that you said, from the dirt to the trees, like you are going to create this destination as itself. So I guess you you weren't expecting to do this when you got married. You guys lay out your vision and your plan for your lives and what you want to leave behind for generations to come for what it sounds like. Now you're creating this destination. You have 55 acres. Give us some insight of what that's like either on a day-to-day or just really like start. You are starting from scratch and a lot of people don't have that opportunity because they usually acquire a home or a company that's already been operational. You guys are really putting this to, you know, uh, creation. So, um, yeah, give us some like insider destination making mindset scoops that you can. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I think it's really special to create a destination. That being said, it is risky. You know, if you're going to try to get people to come, you know, to, you know, less popular areas or whatever, travel further to get there, it's gotta be worth it, you know? And so I think that's something that we definitely are mindful of. Um, in our case, nature is the star of the show. You know, if, if you've seen pictures of the property, you know, we're on this beautiful bluff with like gorgeous rock faces, stunning views. And when we first started out, uh, like, yeah, the first months that we spent on the property, we were tent camping and, um, like, I'm like, Seth, is this another test? Um, but no, we were, we would tent camp on the weekends while we, while we were like closing on the property. And, um, you know, we were just like, if a property can be amazing, if you're in a tent and an air mattress, then like, then you're in the right destination. Like you've created the destination, you know, cause then, you know, anything you build will just be that much more 
breathtaking for the guests. Um, and so, yeah, I think just making sure it's worth it, you know, for us, it's, it's the nature is the star. Um, but then we also go really big on luxury. You know, we have all these luxury amenities, each dome treehouse, mirror cabin, they have their own hot tub and fire pits and all the things we just like held nothing back. Cause we know it takes effort to get here. Um, and we want our guests to feel like they don't want to leave once they're here. You know, this is not a vacation where you stay busy and you have this packed itinerary and some people do that. Like it, it's, it's tough because Chattanooga is such an adventure town and there's so much to do, but you could be absolutely content just staying here. And for us, that's, that's the goal. You know, the home is the experience where you have everything you need, um, you know, for a few days of, of restful, intentional time right here. Um, and I think for us, that's, that's the goal. That's the beauty of it. It's like the art of slow living. And if you're staying at Bolt Farm, you kind of, you come knowing that and you come with the expectation and we, we prime our guests, you know, in the, in the pre-arrival communication that they get between booking and arrival is getting them ready, you know, like, Hey, get ready to put your phone on. Do not disturb if you can and be ready yeah. for this. And you know, like just different little elements that kind of prepare you mentally so that um, you don't just get caught up in having another busy vacation. Well, I saw in the Facebook group, somebody posted, they uh, signed up for the, um, the private chef experience. Oh, and I loved that. I was like, how not only did I see like you guys have pizza ovens and all these like cool amenities, like the hot tub you were talking about too, but a private chef, like just like if, I'm so I'm single. So any lady listeners out there, just FYI, just kidding. Uh, but uh, like I'm single, but like imagining like, okay, if I were to go out like on a weekend away with uh, a significant other or partner, you know, like how special would that be to just like, okay, like not only are you captured by nature's beauty, but then you don't have to cook. Like you got me sold. So how, I guess the question leading up to this for you is, you know, you come from journalism background. How how did you learn this hospitality rope? So like anticipation of guest needs and like you're talking about prepping them for what they're about to experience. And this is like very much trained stuff that you're talking like uh, from what my background with Marriott, I got very much trained that way. Um, so you just starting out the gate with Seth and these ideas that's so unique and, and not the normal route, I would say. So I guess kind of walk me through that. How does that, how does that mindset happen? And how did you get into that position where you're able to like really think that far ahead? Mm, there's a lot of Googling involved. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, that's actually true for like, for certain things and like construction, but no, I mean, I appreciate that. Cause yeah, we, neither one of us have a formal background or training in hospitality. Yeah. You know, I think it comes from two things. I think one is just that innate care and love for people you know, you're, you're caring for them. These are your guests. You want to make sure they have an amazing stay. And so like, you have to genuinely care. And we have an amazing team. They all care. And our guests feel it. Like people get shouted out by name all the time, you know, because of that love, you know, that Southern hospitality, but it, it's more than that. So I think that is the core. Um, and that will guide your decisions, you know, having that true care, but then also, um, being well-traveled, like, and especially Seth, um, you know, his band has toured all over the country. They've toured in Europe and Australia. And I mean, they've, they've been able to experience it all the good and the bad, you know, um, but yeah. some, of, some of the best experiences. And once you see that, you know, you take these little things away and you're like, 
that really stuck with me. That was, that was special. And you just, you keep that and you curate that. And so I think it's important. It's part of what we do actually with our team um, is like, if we ever have like a last minute opening, we host our housekeepers, we host our frontline workers, we host them. And part of it is to be, you know, generous. It, it's a gift to say, I appreciate you. I see you. But part of it is training. It's like, yeah. you're, you're going to experience this because if you haven't experienced it, you don't know how to give it. And so I think that's really important. Um, hey, it's also pretty nice. R&D vacations, you know, you're like, oh, this is this is research. We got to do it. We got to go big and check out their spa. So A hundred percent. It's my favorite part of the whole industry. Anytime I have an opportunity <clears throat> to to do, oh, it's, it's really destination research. I'm just checking it out. It's work. It's work related. I'm only getting a massage for 90 minutes the whole time I'm there, I promise. Um, so it's it's really the big perk. Well, um, I, I know we kind of mentioned earlier too, uh, the, <clears throat> the as seen on Netflix. So walk me through, because I know for sure there's no way I would have thought it. Like, all right, I'm going to create this amazing destination and then I'm going to get shown all over, uh, I can't call it TV, but I'm going to be shown to millions of, of viewers um, who potentially could walk into the show and, and see what you guys have built. So tell me about that experience. Was that one as fun as it looked on the show Two, did that change the trajectory of what you guys have built already in that point and probably maybe faster than you expected? Mm. Uh, yeah. So to answer your first question, it was a blast. It was so fun. We had the pleasure of working with really great people. Um, funny story that I've actually never even told anybody. So the day before filming, you know, we're there. We were, we were actually, so we filmed in South Carolina in those original tree houses, but we were already living and building in Tennessee. So we came in uh, for that filming and wanted to prep everything, make sure it was just sparkling. You know, all the plants were pristine and all the things. And I got there a day before Seth because of his, you know, I think he was playing a show and I'm in the woods and I'm trying to like, so like the, there was like a malfunction with our gate on that day. So I'm like in the woods with a, I took like a fishing line, tied it around the gate and was trying to like magically open it, you know, to make, to give it that like beauty shot, whatever. Mm. And apparently because I was pretty deep in the woods, like to, to get this shot and like prep this or whatever. I got bit by something. I think a spider. I don't know. Yeah. But like the next day, my foot and my ankle was so swollen. It was like the size of a cantaloupe. It was like Will Smith and Hitch. It was so <laughs> yeah. like, you've got to be kidding me. My like my luck, because like we were, we were going to be on part of it, too. You know, like interacting mm -hmm. with the host is part of the episode layout. And I couldn't even get my shoe on. It was so swollen. I was like icing it. I was like, you're kidding me. So <laughs> we were like all smiles on camera and on the whole, like we had a great experience, but I was in a world of pain, ended up going to the, the hospital to get like, uh, you know, uh, like a steroid shot. Like it was horrible. And it was just so funny looking back, like the timing that has never happened to me before or since. But like that day I'm like hobbling around. I mean, a mess. Uh, total, totally useless. So that's kind of my, my LOL memory from the whole experience, but it was, it was a great time. It's crazy how much they pack in, in a short amount of time. Um, and unlike most of their episodes, you know, they were filming in two tree houses. So it was like two tours, two experiences. Um, and man, those people hustle. They were long days. Like it was, 
it was awesome. And, you know, it's funny, this is part of my journalism background. I think like when we weren't on camera, which was, we were on camera for like 5% of it. Right. I, I would say, it, well, even <laughs> just watching the episode, I was like, man, they're barely on. Like, I know we did a lot more. I'm like, come on. We didn't make the cut. No, um, <laughs> you know, it's not about us, but when I wasn't, when we weren't on camera, I definitely went into like director mode of like, yeah. you know, ev everything they see, they can film. So like, does it look perfect? So like, this is the level of, of ridiculous or, or of commitment that we are. I was like, you know, like filling and foaming the outdoor tubs with bubble bath so that it would look fresh and not like sad. You know, if you leave a bubble bath for like 30 minutes, it starts looking sad. Oh yeah. That was like, I was like tending to the tub so that we were ready, you know, and you just, you have to be that way. I think whether, it, you know, it's on camera or you're welcoming your guests, like that level of, of all in make it perfect. You know, it, it matters. Um, so <laughs> Those are some of the, uh, yeah, we worked our butts off that weekend for sure, but it was, it was absolutely worth it. And I would, I would do it again in a heartbeat. So did that create a like a huge ripple effect for your guys after it aired? I would say like, obviously there's some time for production and, and all that, but afterwards, did that just change the game or was it like, okay, we can, we can continue to go at the pace that we were on and, but just have that credibility of, you know, as seen on Netflix and use that in the sense of leveraging, you know, the, the concept you guys are building out. Yeah. You know, in all honesty, this might be surprising or underwhelming, but it was a little underwhelming. Um, okay. I know that like we, we became friends with the producer and for other hosts, it absolutely changed their lives because no one had heard of them. And now here they are. I think there were a couple of things that played into that one was we were already building some great momentum and a name for ourselves before that, which is incredible, you know? Um, and then two, you know, if you watch the Netflix episode that was filmed in Charleston um, and I'll give you like the two minute story on that to not make it long, but um, it is, it was just interesting timing. Like we had not built yet in Tennessee and I'm, I'm kind of bummed because, you know, they, we filmed in Charleston that's that was the first property that Seth and I bought on our own and where we mm. built, you know, the four tree houses. And unfortunately, as we were finishing construction and welcoming our first guest, the island we were on adopted these anti Airbnb laws. And we ultimately had to basically like rethink our business and close down our existing business. I mean, it was we didn't see it coming. You know, earlier I was talking about all these lessons we learned. This was it, yeah. you know. Um, just because they don't have regulations at the time doesn't mean there aren't some on the horizon. And so like, if you're a host or thinking about hosting, shoot, that was one of the biggest lessons we learned is make sure that you're protected, not only now, but in the future that you're building in these friendly areas, because we were not and we didn't know it. And so what was a bummer was, you know, we spent maybe a year and a half, two years, like fighting for for our business and to be able to try to change the laws or, or make it work, we couldn't. So all we could do was monthly rentals, which mm -hmm. staying in a treehouse for a few days, amazing. Staying in a treehouse for a month, kind of challenging, you know, it's like, yeah. it's not for everyone. I mean, we, we did it. We lived there for two years in a treehouse, but it's hard and it changed everything. So in all honesty, it was a bummer that we have this huge stage of Netflix and all we could offer were monthly rentals, which was not what we ever set out to do because we're trying to reach as many people as we can. 
So we kind of felt like we got the big stage and had our hands tied behind our back, you know, at the same time. Um, so, you know, painful lessons learned, but that's part of it. You know, it's not all glam. It's not all like success stories. There's a lot of hard stuff, but you know, we ended up selling that property, um, learned some amazing lessons that we'll never, ever forget. And like you said, the Netflix credibility has been helpful because there are so many people entering the glamping space. You don't know who's just figuring it out and who's been around for a little while. And I think that Netflix stamp definitely gives people confidence that, okay, these guys know what they're doing. 100%. And as, as I love that you said, you know, just because it's not regulations now doesn't mean there won't be or it can't like be. So setting that standard early in your business is like, like good on you guys for having like, at least you're going in with it. Not just saying we're just going to throw up a, a dome and say it's a glamping site. You, you put a lot of thought and time and energy into this whole experience. Now I'm curious for you guys today, as you're looking at the whole resort, basically that you guys are building, um, you know, how, how does that change? Are you guys just listing on one platform like Airbnb or I see you have a book direct kind of like website. So I'm just kind of, no, I'm a big technology guy. I love, I love uh, all the software and, and tech on the back end. So I'd love to know how that shifted for you guys as you went to 2.0 of the, of uh, the bolt treehouse. Yeah, it's definitely been um, an evolution. You know, we started out just by posting on Airbnb to see if anyone would come or care or whatever. And, you know, we were shocked with, with the, the response to that. It was incredible. Um, today we book 97% of our bookings directly through our website, which is pretty incredible. I know. I'm like, I'm really proud. I mean, and it, it took time, you know, it takes time to build that trust, um, and that confidence. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful that we have, you know, that being said, we still advertise on other platforms, um, or at least are open to in the future, because it's a good way to get discovered. But I'm grateful that we don't rely on it. And, you know, this isn't to throw shade, because those platforms gave us our start, but guests have to incur so many more fees, and you don't have the ability to communicate with your guests in the same way, like there's this data curtain. And so it just makes it kind of challenging for hosts like us who want to really take it far and wish them happy birthday a year after they've stayed, you know, you, you lose that yeah. ability to third party platforms. And so, um, you know, I think it's good to have yourself out there and diversify, but, you know, I think in my opinion, the more you can go direct with your people, everyone saves, everyone wins. Yeah, no, I, uh, have a <clears throat> personal and selfish endeavors in book direct as we just hosted the book direct show in Miami this year. So, um, I, I'm very impressed. I, yeah, you make this job of podcast hosting really easy today on this episode. So right. uh, uh, this is incredible for, I would say, you know, to, I don't know for the listeners out there, it sounds really great, right? Like this Instagram perfect type of scenario, right? You're building a destination outside of maybe like the regulation stuff. Um, you know, what are some other things maybe that you didn't expect or anticipate starting this that really is now become like, this is why we do what we do because this happened or this could have happened even. Mm, yeah. Dang. There's so, there are so many things that go into what we do in this whole business that are not glamorous, hard, yeah. you know, all, all the things. Um, I think, yeah, obviously the zoning regulations was like the big, the really big one for us. But another thing that was kind of a light bulb, um, a mentor of ours, you know, we were, we were talking, this was like a year ago and 
we're like, man, we just feel like we're working so hard and like it never stops. You know, what, what's the deal? What are we missing? And he's like, well, you guys aren't running one company. Like you're running three. You know, if you're, if you're building from the ground up, you have a construction and development company, you know, you're hosting guests, you have this hospitality company and you have a brand, a sales and marketing, a brand company. It's like, no wonder you're busy. Like you're running three things. And so, you know, different people will have different goals. Um, some like if you're able to, or want to outsource operations, great. You know, same with construction or development. Great. For us, it's important for us to be involved in every phase of it and really mm -hmm. own that guest experience from the way it's built to the way that they're welcomed. Um, but man, it is a lot of work. Like construction is way more work than I ever imagined. Um, and then people are and like, we're so blessed with an incredible team. But as you know, if you've been here, like it's hard to find them. It's really hard to mm -hmm. find hardworking people um, who share that passion who share that love for people who are willing to like, you know, work as if it's their business, you know, cause that's what's kind of required on, on some days, you know? And so uh, we've been really fortunate, but that being said, like, I feel like recruiting and onboarding is almost, you know, a job in itself. And I was like, wow, I, I never knew that I'd spend like a good bulk of my days, you know, on this element of it, but without your people, without your team, you know, good luck. There's no way we could do this on our own, you know? And so that's such a huge, um, our team is a huge foundation. Absolutely. But nurturing them, you know, developing them, challenging them, being there for them. Um, it's, it's all in, you know? And so I feel like that's one of the things that you would never guess or think when you just see on Instagram, it's like, I wonder what people think my day looks like, you know, maybe I'm, Oh, she's just walking around filming on Instagram and <laughs> this or that. But in reality, like, unglamorous, you know, I'm at my, at my desk for like eight hours and I'll get out and do these other things here. But a lot of times, even though this sounds cliche, like what you see on Instagram truly is just the icing on top. And there's so much, all the, all the unsexy stuff, you know, that goes into making that possible. Um, but it's important. And I think that's what, honestly, I think that's what sets us apart is the willingness to do the, to do the not so fun things, you know, each day, no matter whether we feel like it or not, just showing up. Because if you're going to do this at scale, obviously it's different if you have you know, one or a couple, but if you're going to do it to the level that, that we are, um, it's just, a, it's, a, it takes a lot of discipline for sure. Well, I think you, you said it just there, you know, showing up is the hardest part, to be honest. Um, I've had a lot of failed businesses. I've had some so far successful run and a lot of my friends that start something or that don't finish something, I always tell them it's like, honestly, it really does like it's showing up on the crappy days it's showing up on the great days, it's showing up when you lose it's showing up when you win all that stuff. Like it does really, really matter. Uh, so the consistency of that just being, you know, very much like, all right, we're in it to win it. Like you said, all in. Mm -hmm. um, and so tell me what's next for, I love podcasting because we get to have amazing conversations like this but I'm also a visual person. So anyone listening, their Instagram is tagged in the show notes, grab it, go look at it. But there's so much that is capturing with what you guys are building in this destination. So, you know, as you're scaling and, and building out this, I'll call it a, like a resort of, of tons of different properties and experiences. Um, what can, what can people look forward to in 2023? 
Yes. Oh, so many things. And I'm, oh. I'm thrilled. So we we're built right now. We're building four more honeymoon tree houses um, because that's the one where, you know, we started our honeymoon and it's the one that was featured on Netflix. So it's everyone's favorite. Um, and it's always booked. So we're building four more right on the cliff side, like the most breathtaking views. They're going to open in spring of 23. Um, and we're going to keep building from there. I, I think I can share this. Uh, I don't think we've shared it anywhere else. But we're also, you know, as you said, we're kind of crossing over into this resort land where it's not just there's a vacation rental on this property. It's, it's a community. Yeah. It's a whole place. So we are going to be building this clubhouse like this beautiful barn community center where people can enjoy you know spa treatments um we're we're still flushing out what the the food looks like you know we love the private chef meals um and we want to see if we can make something more readily available to all of our guests you know like light bites um but i'm so excited to have the space you know a lot of guests have, have talked about that like people do come to kind of get away from it all but some travelers want to meet other travelers or, you know, people who come with their team for offsites, you know, um, they need the, those spaces. And so we're going to have some like board meeting rooms, all these, all these phenomenal areas in this clubhouse. Um, and so that's going to be a big focus for 2023. Well, just imagine not only do you get to see all of the stories of individuals that are staying at different tree houses or domes or mirror cabins, but now they get to talk to each other about those moments and experiences. That's going to be, that's going to be like 10 X of what you guys are seeing. I guarantee it. Like that's, there's going to be some power in that. So that's exciting. I'm excited. Thank you for one, breaking that with us, you know, our little podcast over here, getting to get it the exclusive, but um, that's incredible. I, I love that. And I think you guys have the perfect opportunity for it. Um, I personally think it's a great idea. It makes total sense. So Wow, that's yeah. a big undertaking, but I'm pumped. I'm pumped mm -hmm. for you. Thank you. I'm yeah, pumped. you'll come out and see it. Oh, of course. I, it's on my bucket list for 2023. I'm not going back to Mexico, so I'm going to try to hit a couple places to, to uh, tour around. But, Tori, it's been so cool to talk to you, and this is like one of my favorite episodes. To, uh, for anyone who's listening, we're recording in December. This might come out either before January or in January, but super like one of my highlighted episodes for sure okay. um i always ask this one question but i have a new question i'm going to start asking all my new guests at the end of every episode uh first question is an old one that we've asked everyone if you had one link to send any listener that had one opportunity to learn more about you or anywhere that you, you i've had some guests share their favorite book or whatever it might be if you had one link to give the the audience what would it be Ooh, one link to give the audience one link. We'll do more, obviously. I okay. Link. As a business I owner, I got to give you boltfarmtrios.com, you know, and tell you to come check out our website. <laughs> is that shameless plug? But I, I, think, plug. I know it is. I'm going for the shameless plug. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's good. I love it. I was going to do it either way. So I just want to make sure we put that one at the top now. My new question, I've actually stole this from another podcast that's huge and I've become a big fan of, but if you had one question to ask the next guest that's going to be on the podcast without knowing who they're going to be. What would that question be? Oh, that's so good. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. Okay. One question. Can I give you two? No, I got to do one. I got to do one. You, we can do a 1.0 and one point or yeah, we'll do option A and B. 
Okay, I'm gonna go nerdy business side and say, what are your biggest bottlenecks that you're facing right now? I just think that gives a lot of good insight into someone like talking about the tough stuff. What are you What are you trying to figure out? What are your biggest bottlenecks? I just I'm curious, right? And you you also never know. Um, maybe you're the person that can help solve it, right? Or someone listening is like it helps theirs. So, what are your biggest bottlenecks? The other one I was toying with was, you know, what's your why? Just that, you know, you got to ask why that's what we do, you know, for everything. What's your why. And I think, um, that's always a great place to start. It's one of my favorite questions. So I'm glad you asked it. Um, definitely we'll do the bottle next one. I'll let you know once that episode goes live so you can hear their answer. But Tori, seriously, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been such a pleasure to get to hear your story and a deeper dive outside of what we read or hear and see on TV or Instagram or whatever it might be. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, Slick Talkers, you heard it here first. Make sure you like and subscribe everything Bolt Farm Treehouse. I'm going to link everything in the show notes below. Comment, follow, like everything that Tori has mentioned, and we'll see you all again next week. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast possible. We hope you enjoyed the show and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. We are here. Natalie Palmer, how are you doing today, my friend? I am good, Will. Thanks for having me come on and do this project with you. I'm really excited for this. A little nervous to kick off week one, but here we go. <laughs> hey, like I said, no pressure, no pressure. This is a, an exciting series for me. I definitely am not hosting season two, so if you're looking for another <laughs> podcast to run for yourself, we would love to have you. But just wanted to start like, this whole season, it's 20 episodes, it's four main guests, you being one of them, and we have Justin Ford, we have Heather Bayer, and then we have Andrew Kitchell. The reason why I picked you four is because you all set a certain standard or are super specific in the sense of the discussion and conversation I want to have. With you, I'm selfish in the sense of I wanted to have you there because you, I think, set a great example of what operators in our space need to foreshadow in the sense of going out with the right mindset, understanding why you're doing stuff, what, why you're in this business and this industry. So to kick off day one, this is what we're going to do. We're going to ask the question and you're going to answer the question of what is your why and why is having a why so important? Because I think this gets missed quite often. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, I am so glad that you picked this as week one, day one, episode one of Vacation Rental Micro School because I am with you 100% that this gets missed a lot. A lot of people will scroll TikTok and see all these short-term rental hosts that are just making all this money and they think they're raking it in really easily. 
that is not the full picture. When you see that, what you're missing is that there's either an entire team on the back end that's running it to make it passive for that host or that host is involved every day. And there's a lot that you can automate, which you'll learn in the next 20 episodes, like Will said, but ultimately you have to have the realistic expectations. And so make sure that you're getting into this for the right reasons. If you're truly just trying to do passive income, there's stocks, there's high yield savings. You could also invest in someone else's short-term rental business. But if you want to be the host, there is a lot more work that goes into this than TikTok would have you believe. So for me personally, my why is I am really, really driven by the fact that I, I have two young kids and I want to do all this so I can stay home with them. That's my ultimate goal. And so I do work hard at the business, but I've distanced myself to where I don't have to be the boots on the ground. For somebody else, what drives you might be you love being the one to fluff the pillows and light a candle and put in fresh flowers before your guests show up. But maybe pricing isn't your isn't your area of expertise. In that case, make sure that you listen to Andrew when he when he comes on and hosts his week and dives into pricing and how you can automate that. So I think it's about finding out what drives you and what are the things that you can be really good at and passionate about. And then you can outsource the other pieces. I was going to ask you on the sense of what if you don't know? Like, what if you don't know what really like drives you? What like what if you don't know if you're passionate about tech or guest experience or turnover and operations? Like you're just seeing this like I, I think you saw it in you know COVID yeah. times where this rush of people going to, to Airbnb, quote unquote. So, yep. so, you know, what if they don't know, though? Great question. I think the easiest way to find out is just to start doing it. And I think as long as ultimately at the end of the day, you are driven by being a good host and giving a good guest experience, you will figure the rest out. I think that the people who fail at this business are ones who all they want to do is cut corners and save money in the here and now and not provide good quality sheets or a nice design or make sure they have high speed internet those hosts are going to flake out. They think that they're saving money right now, but it's not going to last. So I think as long as at the end of the day, you have, like we call this episode, the heart behind hosting, everything else will fall into place. You'll see very quickly if you just hate messaging guests. Perfect. There are co-hosts that you can have join onto your business so that they see all of the messages coming in and then they can handle messages from guests. If you find that you absolutely hate pricing like we talked about, then you integrate with a pricing software. You don't have to be the cleaner of your property. Some hosts I talk to love cleaning their property, though. They host a guest house in their backyard, and that's what lights them up. So I do think that you just have to throw yourself into it and start trying things. If it's okay with you, Will, I want to jump into an exercise that I actually do with all of my clients that I do consultations with. And I kind of like to call this the what kind of host are you? And the way that I explain this is there's four quadrants of hosting. So imagine that there is an axis, right? An X and a Y axis. And on one, you've got your property is used for guest use only or for personal use mixed in. On the other axis, you've got hosts that prioritize profits or hosts that prioritize peace. So figure out if you can imagine this quadrant, like where you lie. Quadrant one would be the type of host that uses it for guest use only and they are prioritizing profits. This, in my opinion, would be a profit-driven host. They are doing this full-time, and all they care about is maximizing earnings. A host in Quadrant 2 would be someone who's using their property for guest use only and prioritizing peace over profits. So this, to me, would be somebody who is strictly in this for passive income. They don't want to lift a finger. They are most likely going to hire a management company to take over their place. 
they're fine giving up a big chunk of their profits in order to have that peace of not having to be bothered with it. And then we'll switch over to somebody who would prioritize profits, but they have personal use mixed in. This is where I am. And I think most of my listeners and I think a good chunk of the audience listening to this show would fall in this category. Host number three is someone that prioritizes hospitality and believes that putting that first is going to lead to profits. They're passionate about hosting itself. And then finally, in quadrant four, you've got the type of host that has personal use mixed in, but they are prioritizing that piece over profits. This would be somebody who is open to hosting and genuinely wants to share their home with guests who truly appreciate it. But maintaining quality of home is priority. So this I would describe as somebody who maybe they have a family, a second vacation home, and they use it a lot themselves. They at no cost will ever be okay allowing pets in there, even if it can make more money. They're truly trying to protect their family home and just make some money on the side. So I think most of the listeners, if you're tuning into this, would probably be that host number three, maybe number one. I doubt if you're listening to this, you're planning to outsource to a management company. You probably want to be involved in those operations. And you're also probably not the type of host that barely wants to rent it because I don't know why you would bother listening to this and educating yourself. So I love doing that exercise with clients I consult with and new hosts because I think if you can figure out where you lie, it's very easy to decide which tactics work for you and don't. I can always tell someone, like I said, that, hey, being pet friendly is going to help you make more money. But if that does not align with your goals and your why of hosting, don't do it. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to anyone telling you that. Yeah, no, that's a great way. And I, I think I'm definitely in quadrant three with you. I like the fact that there's peace when I do use my vacation home, but I also want it to cover its expenses. And I have a hard time with sometimes people, you know, they're like, oh, this is a hospitality. So you have to like be working 24 seven and other things like that. I think there's a good balance and i think this is definitely a lifestyle business so if you like to travel and you are open to meeting new people and hearing stories and and having a team which is super cool that lifestyle of that is is very attractive totally. versus like quadrant quadrant one is very just business driven yeah. money exactly yeah. and the thing too that i always like to tell people what type of host you are can change depending on the season in your life and it can also change depending on the property the yeah. one property that I own, I am definitely like, I feel myself get more emotional over that investment. Whereas the ones I manage for other owners, it's a lot easier for me to distance myself emotionally and be that more profit driven host. There are also seasons in life where you'll want to be more hands on and then you're traveling for a time, you're living out of a van and, and you have to automate things. So it's okay for those to change. But I would just encourage you to always check back in and think about which host you are at the moment and for which property. And it's going to make it so much easier in the next 20 episodes when you learn about all these different ways to improve your listing and, and run things and how to really be a good vacation rental manager. I think that'll help you decide which tips to actually take and what will work for you and what might not. Couldn't agree more. And I want to touch on something you just said for all of our listeners. Is there a difference to you? I think a lot of people have a different perspective and you'll hear Heather, you'll hear Justin, you'll hear Andrew kind of share theirs as well. But is there a difference for you from an Airbnb host to then a vacation rental manager? Okay. Yeah. Yes and no. I do think that the one good thing about Airbnb is, and I know a lot of like diehard vacation rental managers who have been in this industry for decades and have done direct booking. A lot of them don't like Airbnb. 
Where I always defend Airbnb is that I think they really were able to democratize hosting and make it accessible to, you know, maybe we talked about that host number four who only wants to host on occasion when they're not using their property. Someone like that is never going to go through the hassle of building out a direct booking site and a brand. It doesn't make sense for them. But I still think that they can be a really, really good host and really care about their guests when they have their guests there. They can still totally treat it like a true vacation rental experience and not just making a quick buck on Airbnb. So I think there's a lot of overlap, but I think that that's a great question, that there is just a mindset shift that happens when you decide to go from just being an Airbnb host to managing vacation rentals. You really are treating it more like a business and trying to build that personal brand out with it and and kind of brand the properties and the whole experience. What a great way to wrap up day one. I think that's the best way to summarize it for any of our listeners. So I'm really excited. I think you set the great tone. So I'm going to let you go, get some rest. I'll see you in the morning and we'll kick off day two on is vacation rentals for everybody. So you kind of touched on that today, but there's a lot more to cover. So we'll see you tomorrow. All right. See you tomorrow.